Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are excited today to be with Brian Hill. Now, Brian is the head coach of the Complete Combatant and Fusion Fitness and Mixed Martial Arts in Marietta, Georgia, Brian has over 30 years experience in training and instructional combative firearms techniques. And Brian has trained and holds teaching degrees in karate, jujitsu, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, mixed martial arts, kickboxing, sword, and edged weapons. This is why you're called the complete combatant, <laughs> right? I mean, don't come at me because... I got it covered is what I just read, I think. Yeah, it's a lot of time training, a lot of wasted youth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And, you know, well, we see the word combatant, but really it's a defensive thing, right? None of these are, you know, you're, you're running out, you know, to, to use them until someone has come at you. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. And it's a... You know, not only is it defensive, it's a mindset, um, a lifetime of training and preparation for all events. And that's what, at The Complete Combatant, we really try to get people to think about is how can we make the whole package work instead of just pieces and parts here and there. That's fantastic. And so the main reason I wanted to chat with you today is because the holiday season is upon us right? We have people who are probably getting on planes. You behind me. Yes, I see Santa. <laughs> I know him. <laughs> um, so, you know, we have people probably on planes, trains, and automobiles as we speak, preparing to travel for Thanksgiving. And then after that, we've got, of course, you know, all the different holidays um, and then capping off with New Year's. And so, for all of this travel and all of these holidays and the change in weather, there's lots of different things going on. We're distracted. We are maybe shopping and traveling in places that uh, we're not even familiar with. Uh, when we are going to travel someplace, the cab driver knows that if we're on the way to the airport, we don't have a gun, we don't have a knife, we don't have pepper spray. Um, I just want to pick your brain for a while and talk to us about some of the things that we can do to keep ourselves safe uh, as we are going through this season. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the season of dithering, as John Farnham would call it. And uh, it's very hard to, to focus now. We have a lot on our plate. Uh, our greatest weapon as, as citizens is our ability to gather information, to be aware of where we're going, to move purposefully, and to use mindfulness and intuition of what our dangers may be. Um, you know, we always think that maybe we're disarmed, but you're never truly disarmed as long as you're aware and you're alert and you're prepared. And you do some preparatory exercises before you get involved in these situations. How am I gonna get there? How am I gonna move? What would I do if this happens? Is there an escape? Is there an avenue of a different response? Um, pay attention. And really, you know, you're going to miss a lot of things in life because you're doing other stuff. And the warrior's mindset allows you to gather information and to possibly see things that you would miss otherwise, but also to enjoy life to a greater degree because you're fully immersed and mindful in the experience of moving from one place to another and traveling and thinking about how you can do that with the best purpose. 
That's so important. And like, what is the greatest enemy of awareness? Oh, yeah. Guy. <laughs> right here. Right? I mean, I shake a little bit when it's out of my hand. So, and if I'm like that, and I was a very late adopter to uh, all of the, you know, iPhone things that, that there are in the world, um, what, what can we do to, you know, understand that these aren't going anywhere? They are a part of who we are. They're an extension of our hands. Our eyes are almost always focused on them. Understanding that that is a reality, what, what can we do to, to also understand that if our eyes are there, they're not here, and bad guys are looking for, for those of us that are like, what? Where am I? Where am I going? Well, you know, when you're, when you're changing from one space to another, uh, you have to prioritize what's important at that point. Um, you know, that phone's going to be there. Your messages are going to be there. But if I'm transitioning from the house to the car to the car to the airport, from low security to high security, I have to kind of set priorities in my mind and realize, all right, this is a place where I need to be aware. Mm -hmm. um, you'll have times to catch up and do that where you can be a little more relaxed. Um, but you just have to set a, a list of priorities and say, right now, it's more important that I get out of this cab without getting run over by a car <laughs> and come <laughs> <with> my phone, <laughs> that I know which line I need to get into at the airport, uh, that I know where I'm going next so that I have a purposeful stride. Um, these are the things that will truly deselect you from violent criminal actors. And then if there is a bigger event, it gives you some forewarning because, you know, as a Humans, our greatest weapon is our ability to see. And the problem with the phone is it brings our peripheral vision and our focus vision to about five feet in front of us. And you just can't see things around you. So uh, it's hard. I know. We all like the dopamine kick of the likes and the messages. and <laughs> But we have to just prioritize. And like our parents told us, there's a time and place for everything. So we have to set aside times. And that way it's not taking your whole life that you're on the phone. Um, you're enjoying your environment, you're seeing new things, and you're interacting in a mindful way. I like that. And because I have to find a way to defend my behavior, I, uh, I, will, <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I, I think that there are pluses to everyone also having ready communication if there's an emergency or a way to maybe, you know, video or, or photograph what's going on around now not to the exclusion of you know offering aid if if somebody's injured or or getting out of the way if there's a dangerous situation but um i was in a scary cab ride a couple of years ago and by myself on the way to the airport and i just had i just was so completely aware of how vulnerable i was because i was going through that checklist oh this person actually there was two drivers in the the van which i thought was the weirdest thing and then they just kept behaving extremely oddly and putting the blinker on whenever we would come to a like a deserted road and i'm like i i don't know this area but i know that's not on the way to the airport right. uh what i could have done that i didn't is maybe mapped the airport on my phone so maybe i could see oh all right we're good we're still going in the right direction but uh, what I did do was I called my, I texted my daughter first and, and told her, I'm nervous, I'm going to call you, just kind of go with what I'm saying. And then I called her and I acted like she was in the vehicle behind me, following the, the cab. And it offered me at least some sense of I'm not completely alone and I'm letting these people hear me 
have this conversation that I'm not alone. And then I acted also like there were people meeting me as soon as we pulled up to the airport. So I was sort of like in my mind boxing them in. So that's, that's my one defense that um, my cell phone helped me on that day feel connected outside the yeah. walls of this van that I didn't even know what color it was. Like yeah. I got in a strange car with strange people and I didn't think to like photograph the license plate or the color or even the company because it was called by the, the um, whatever the guy is that gets your luggage when you come into a hotel. Concierge. Yeah. Concierge, yeah. And I was like, I'm, th I'm a complete idiot right now. But so that's my defense of the phone. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, you woke up though. And um, probably the biggest thing is we got to make ourselves unpalatable. So yeah. somebody who's a little more aware, who's yeah. put some information out, who's exhibiting a sign of awareness that maybe they're in trouble, is oftentimes, you know, it's a binary decision for criminals. They're like, ah, we'll move on to the next. It's the easiest person to come along. So, you know, those sort of activities that you did, you paid attention to your intuition. And you, something was telling you, hey, something's wrong here. And it's always in your best interest to pay attention. So you did a good job. Um, you know, phones give us the ability to communicate. And they also give us the ability to map and they give us the idea of where we're going, but it's a give and take. They're not bad and they're not good. We just have to use them effectively. And it sounds like you did a great job with that. So I'm going to defend you also with your use of phone. <laughs> okay. One, <laughs> check that off. One, yeah. for, one for the phone. Yeah. Um, but one thing definitely against the phone is, you know, it gets dark earlier this time of year. And when we are staring at a bright screen, it takes our eyes, when we look back up at our surroundings, it takes our eyes a few minutes to yeah. even adjust. And I think we're, we're like illuminating ourselves for the bad guy going, here's one, look at this person, right? This is one of your uh, easy targets right here. <laughs> yeah, we do a peripheral drill where we have people hold the phone up and then see how far they can see around them. And it's just amazing how narrow the focus. You talk about tunnel vision under stress. Just looking at your phone really limits. Your, you're usually at about 180 for most healthy people. And you go down to about 90 degrees total vision. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the reports of he came out of nowhere. It was just like a movie. Because you're so engaged that, you know, your senses don't pick it up until they're in your face. So just prioritize it, you know. I think I should have been born a cowboy. I would have been happier if I could just uh, say I'm going to be back in three weeks, you know. I'll be on the trail. I'm not a big phone fan, but they're incredibly useful. And, uh, you know, as business people, we have to use them constantly. It's not just personal. Uh, people want an instant result. So I just try to prioritize when I do it and say, hey, this is not a great environment. I'm going to wait the five minutes until I feel in a better place where I can handle this and give that person my full intention instead of partial attention, which I think they deserve also. Absolutely. So basically it comes down to maturity. So I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> I like it on the show. more mature about this situation. <laughs> you gotta be a grown up. doggone it. EQ um, over IQ, right? What's that? <laughs> EQ over IQ. We've got yeah. a higher emotional quotient. That's <laughs> absolutely. gratitude now. <laughs> Exactly. So what can we talk about? What can we say about, you know, the, now I'm in Arizona. All right. Yeah. So it's going to, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, it's going to be 89 degrees out. So we're not wearing, 
Oh, yeah, right? So we're not wearing heavy gloves and heavy coats. Um, but not everybody lives in Arizona or was traveling to Arizona. And so especially if you are coming from a place where we're not accustomed to wearing bulky stuff, and maybe we go to a part of the country or the world traveling and visiting, and, you know, we do have, like, bulky gloves on and bulky coats on or maybe mittens. I mean, then you're really restricted. Um, what? Even earmuffs, maybe? So we're not even able to hear as well. And we got hoods on, so our peripheral vision. Like, what does somebody like you see when, when you see us walking around like the kid from A Christmas Story? You know, it's like, <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> To, to better uh, even the odds or better prepare ourselves if, if we do look like an easy target. Yeah, you know, the, um, here I go. You need to dry fire <laughs> and you need to practice this stuff at home um, before you actually go out in the environment. So uh, whatever jacket you wear, whatever stuff you wear, you need to try it out, um, you know, with a disabled gun to see how easily you can work it and how easily you can access it. And it's probably gonna make some changes during the winter. Um, I change the particular style of carry sometimes in the winter because you just can't get to the front of the jacket. Um, you can't pull it up. It is a problem. I mean, gloves are a real problem. They're a real issue. And uh, when you go and do your live fire training, you should wear your gloves and see how well you can manipulate the trigger and feel for it. Uh, some of the benefits is when you're wearing a big heavy jacket, um, you're less prone to being hit well. Um, it does give some some padding as far as physical strikes, but also on the bad side is you can't run as easily. Um, sometimes we're wearing shoes that aren't as functional. You know, they may be good for keeping the moisture out or keeping us, but we may be on a slippery surface. So we kind of have to take all these things in. The good news is most of the uh, bad guys are going to have the similar results. So keeping an eye on their hands and where they are and how they act will give us a big indication, you know, of what's coming our way. And simply just practice this stuff a little bit at home. It only takes five minutes to figure out, hey, that jacket really doesn't work. Now, I, I know if I say that to my wife, she's going to have a very different response. But, <laughs> but I love you, this jacket. Right? <laughs> yeah, I love this jacket. You know, uh, not everybody can live like a tactical hobo. So... <laughs> The tactical clothing people are getting better at understanding that, you know, we want a little bit of fashion too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe bearded guys like me should make clothes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Regular people should make clothes. Exactly. Just pockets everywhere. Just everywhere yeah. pockets, right? It just takes a little forethought. Once again, it's just a bit of preparation instead of waiting until the moment. Oh, how do I handle this? Yes. You know, what do I do now? You just, if you put your gear on and you say, all right, how am I going to make a draw stroke here? Or how am I going to run in this position? Or where are my keys? You know, where do I store stuff? It's just very simple, but it does require a bit of, of emotional maturity to say, hey, I'm going to do this beforehand and not just hope that I'll rise to the level of my expectations when a bad crisis comes along. Absolutely. So running those what if scenarios, I guess, yeah. is, is super important. Running what if scenarios while you're dressed like the kid from <laughs> the, the Christmas story. Um, so what would you say, um, you know, the average person and, and guys and, and ladies do carry different things, but can you think of just average things that we do carry on us or would have with us if, if we're in an area where guns aren't allowed in a gun-free zone that we could use as 
you know, some kind of a uh, defensive tool. You know, basically, whatever we're going to carry in that area, if there was something serious happen, it's going to be fairly ineffective. But there are some basic things that we can do for our own personal safety. I'm a big fan of uh, flashlights. Um, you know, they're very useful because they help you see things, but they're also useful for um, deselecting yourself as you move through envi dark environments. So you can do that. Most people see somebody moving with a flashlight and they think it's security or police officer. Uh, it is incredibly blinding. Uh, you know, nowadays we can have 800 to 1500 lumens in our hands. And uh, in my nighttime class, I hit people in the eyes with it. And you talk about not being able to respond or see or find out where I go. It's incredibly useful that way. Uh, they're a pretty decent impact weapon held in your hand. You can strike with it. Um, we're not trying to win a kickboxing match here. We're just trying to deselect ourselves and make ourselves less palatable and become a strong response. Um, you can put a little lanyard on them and a little string on the end so you get a little bit of an impact weapon with it and you won't lose it. Uh, big fan of that. I think that uh, there's a lot of environmental tools around us. Fire extinguishers are incredibly useful at airports for making a screen or as an impact weapon. Um, and you need to know where cover and concealment is at all times. You know, can I go hide behind something? Can I move to this? Our greatest defense in fighting is movement. Even if we're fighting with a pistol, we should be moving to a better position, bettering ourselves. So the same thing, if we just take the pistol out of that, nothing's really changed. We're not disarmed. We're the same people with the same ideas. We can carry stuff that we know how to use and that we practice with, and we can move, and we can hit, and we can use our verbal commands, and we can use our awareness, and really try to do that. Um, you can put something inside of a scarf or a mandana that's kind of heavy and make a pretty decent impact weapon too. Um, of course, there's the tactical pins, but if you don't practice with those, they don't work very well. They tend to slide around in your hands, and the TSAs are not big fans of them if they look like the spiky weapon of death. <laughs> they may take that from you. <laughs> so, right. But, you know, having something that you would do and realizing your limits is really important. And, yeah. uh, you know, back to the phone, you, you, if you have people with you and you get separated, you're going to want to have some way to communicate, you know. Mm -hmm. And having a, a, a group text is a great way to stay in communication while you're at the airport because it's very quick. So mm -hmm. think it ahead again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with the phone, like if you're in a situation where you're trying to be quiet and, and hiding, then you're going to want to be sure that you've turned the, the sound alerts off on your phone. Um, but a lot of those uh, tools that we were just talking about, I mean, we're talking really close quarters. Yeah. And that, of course, is not ideal. Ideal is you're as far away from whatever is happening as possible. But if it's impossible to get away, then at least you've given us some ideas of, you know, oh, yeah, well, look at that thing hanging on the wall, that, that fire extinguisher. I can use that, you know, or a chair. You can throw a chair. Um, is, it, is it the ALICE program, I think, I'm trying to think of, that they're teaching in schools where yeah. it's basically, you know, just be as disruptive and uh, inconvenient of a hostage as you can possibly be and uh, use, use whatever you have available to you to, to throw or um, uh, hit and that sort of thing. So my last question is something I know that you guys do teach there and train there. Um, how important do you think it is to have like medical trauma uh, kind of training, like to use a tourniquet and that sort of thing or to carry those things with you? How important would you say that is? 
I would say it's the most important skill. Um, you're going to come upon in situations in your life, whether it's a car wreck or a simple accident where medical training is going to serve you incredibly well. And uh, one of the most dangerous things we do every day is travel in cars. And if you have some training, uh, you can be a person that can be of great help. Uh, the training should be complete. We talk a lot about tourniquets, but um, as citizen defenders, we may not find the same problems with limb problems. We may find torso problems, especially with gunshots and whatnot. So having a high level of training and a little trauma kit, they're really very small now. Um, Several people make great little trauma kits with a little chest seal or some gauze that you can pack uh, and understanding how to stabilize somebody and to help them. And Lord forbid it's somebody you love and care about. You're going to want to know how to save their life. So uh, the gun is a very important part of it, but being able to save a life at the time uh, after everything happens is incredibly important. And um, sometimes people don't want to take it. It's not as much fun as shooting. But uh, I found all the courses that I've taken to be incredibly interesting. And, uh, you know, I live with a medical professional, so it's great to know if something happened to her, she's got some backup now. And I feel definitely like a more responsible adult by spending 20 hours and getting some training and understanding how to treat just basic trauma. And uh, I, th I think all of us should do it. And I think it should be a part of school, actually. Um, just like we have fire drills, there should be some medical training, you know. And uh, it's not incredibly complex. You just have to make good decisions quickly. And you have to be willing to do something. And that's what it always comes down to. If something bad happens, you've just volunteered to do something. You've got to act and you've got to get people moving. Just a person putting pressure on a wound and telling other people to call 911 changes the event incredibly. So I think the benefit of training is it also shows you that you can do something. Wow. And act. That's incredible. And so when I hear you say that, I'm thinking, what better gift could you give anybody through this holiday season than some training, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that training could save a life, many lives, could save your own life. Uh, so I, I think that that is just um, awesome. I'm so glad that you, you said all of that. And so thank you so much, Brian. Please tell people how they can reach out and find out more about what you guys do over there at The Complete Combatant. I know that you are in Georgia, but I think you guys would travel if, if somebody yes. wanted to put together a, you know, let's say you've got a whole corporate office and you want everybody to be able to act in concert and be able to, you know, act as a team. You'll travel, right? Absolutely. Um, we're going, we just came back from Alabama and then we're going to Florida uh, next year, we've got a, quite a few courses coming up. Uh, we offer as a series of events too. We have a proactive mindset course. It's not based around firearms or fighting to get people started. So um, we can really meet everybody's needs. Uh, my goal as a trainer is to try to get to people who aren't in our community, uh, who haven't thought about this and to get the wheels to start turning. And if they can get a little medical training and they understand how to defend themselves a little bit better, that'd be fantastic. So That's you can awesome. find us at the complete combatant at gmail.com and the complete combatant.com. We're there. My wife is the indispensable organizational wizard yes, she is. <laughs> and she will be quick to respond because apparently I don't get on my phone. So <laughs> yeah, this is what I've been hearing. Don't, don't try to reach Brian on the phone. He's yeah. out in the woods somewhere for three weeks. <laughs> Uh, no, this is fantastic. And I just, you know, if people are like, this sounds great, but I'm just not sure how to tap this into my life. If you have a job, you know, 
you work with other people. Wouldn't it be great if you could have each other's backs? If you go to church, well, we've had a horrible recent reminder that, you know, danger is everywhere and at mm. any moment. So you could talk to your, your church congregation about getting this kind of training. Uh, are you part of a family? Well, wouldn't it be great if the whole family, like not only fire drill, but kind of like knew what to happen if, if there was an incident in your neighborhood? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, really, a club? What, can you think of anybody that couldn't use this, Brian? I don't think so. You know, it's very important. It's incredibly important. And, you know, we instituted fire drills, and since then, zero children have died in school fires. But we still continue to practice them because they're important, you know. So we should have a violence drill or a medical drill to go along with that and understand what our options are, you know. Uh, I'm not a proponent of telling everybody you need to carry a pistol, um, but I am a proponent of saying you need to have some training and know what your options are. So I love it. Fantastic. It. And we'll leave it there. Thank you again so much, Brian Hill of The Complete Combat, and have a wonderful holiday season. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.